0: From the campuses of East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee, and Emory & Henry College in Emory, Virginia, this is Religion for Life. I'm John Schuch. One of my interests is Christian origins and the historical Jesus and the early Christian movement. How did it begin and how does that beginning relate to foundational texts such as the Book of Acts? Is the Book of Acts history or is it romance or legend? or something else altogether. My guest is Dennis Smith. He's the professor of New Testament at Phillips Theological Seminary in Tulsa, Oklahoma. His expertise includes hospitality and the house church in early Christianity, uh, the Lord's Supper according to Paul, the Lord's Prayer, what it's really about, and Acts of the Apostles, Problems and Promise. He has a number of publications, including his most recent is Acts and Christian Beginnings, the Acts Seminar Report, co-edited with Joseph Tyson. Uh, this book is the culmination of 10 years of research with Star or the Jesus Seminar. And Dennis Smith is on me via phone from his uh, office in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Welcome, Dennis, to Religion for Life. Thank you. Good to be here. Give us a quick overview, uh, if you would. Uh, Ten years is, is quite some time in the making for uh, uh, for this book. Uh, wh- what did the Act Seminar set out to do, and what did you do?
1: Uh, we set out to use the West Star Seminar method to address a historical question that is actually parallel to the historical question of the historical Jesus, and that is, how do we describe how Christianity began? And the book of Acts is the standard resource that is used by everyone. However, scholars have known for a long time that Acts is not completely reliable. Uh, That's been a uh, a point in scholarship for some time, but nevertheless, mostly reliable. And then scholars will vary on what the mostly means on acts. So I uh, set out by chairing this to uh, to use the West Star seminar method, which is a group project. This was a group project throughout; it wasn't just uh, two or three of us. Using a group project of as many Acts scholars as we could gather uh, to, for the project to uh, to try to decide if we can be more specific about. What part of Acts can be specified as history, uh, rather than uh, letting it just be a floating question that, that nobody is is fully uh, developing as a scholarly uh, point. So th- that's how we got started, and it's very important to uh, to emphasize that th- that it was a group project, and according to the West Star model, which was very helpful for doing this. Uh, people, uh, the scholars, would present papers on different uh, aspects of the study of Acts and argue for a particular interpretation. And, and the papers had had to come to conclusions. That's that's a, a very helpful way in which the West Star process works. You actually have to come to conclusions. You can't just say what we like to say in scholarship. Well, it may be this, it may be this, but we can't decide. So uh, then we would vote on those conclusions and come to a general consensus of the seminar, not total uh, consensus on anything, but general consensus that uh, these are the conclusions that make the most sense of the data. And that's why it took 10 years to do this, because we continued to work and develop uh, slowly a uh, text-by-text analysis of the material in acts.
0: Well, I know when uh, you were working on the historical Jesus, first his sayings and then his his deeds, that you gathered all this material together and voted uh, piece by piece, say, on the sayings of deeds, whether it was historical or, or less than and whatnot. How did you—how was that different with the Acts material?
1: That's a very good question, because uh, one of the things that uh, was difficult for us to work out is that <laughs> exact point. Uh-huh. How is this different? So, for example, we started out uh, trying to make Acts conform to uh, uh, sayings by sayings analysis. Did Paul actually say this? And so on. But we quickly discovered that no Acts is a story, and it's a story composed by someone to, to make a particular point that has a, a, a point of view. So we had to, we had to apply a different method. We started out trying to vote on is this verse historical, is this verse historical, but that didn't work, and and there were a lot of fits and starts on uh, how we were analyzing Acts. Finally, we decided that the best way to take Acts was on conclusions that Acts promotes, such as, uh, was Paul from Tarsus? Uh, uh, We would take the details of the... uh, Uh, of the Acts story of the conversion of Paul, and divide those details out into different points and vote on each of the points, so that we're not voting on the verses, we're voting on what Acts proposes as historical. And in order to draw conclusions about that, we had to do uh, painstaking uh, exegetical research on the materials, which we parceled out among the scholars who were uh, members of the seminar.
0: And, of course, the book itself then, uh, Acts and Christian Beginnings, the Acts Seminar Report, is is not like a, a red-letter edition as the five Gospels were, uh, but you have the, the translation and then some commentary.
1: Right, right. Because Acts tells a story, we felt like it was important for the reader to actually pay attention to the details of the story. So the first section after after we present the translation of a particular part of Acts, then we had Uh, a commentary on the story that it's telling as well, and then that's followed by uh, the category In Search of History, and uh, we tended to divide this up where where, uh, Joe Tyson did the commentary, and I put together the analysis of the different papers that scholars had presented to uh, deal with the In Search of History question.
0: And then um, you came up in, in the conclusion, in the introduction to the book, you talk about um, kind of a top 10 list of top 10 conclusions of the Acts right. seminar. And, and maybe we can talk a little bit about those because I think those are, are pretty significant. For example, the first one, uh, the use of Acts as a source of history has long needed critical assessment, which is a very measured way of, of, of saying that uh, uh, Acts isn't quite as reliable as history as we once thought.
1: Yeah, yeah. Two of the major... Items on the top ten list are the dating of Acts and the use of the letters of Paul. I, I what I brought to the to the study was, uh, I think a you know a, a, a scholarly training and a a uh, driving desire to get this done and uh, hopefully some organizational skill. But I wasn't a certified card carrying Acts scholar. There are some, some scholars who specialize in Acts. That doesn't mean I didn't know what I was doing, but, you know, mm-hmm. that wasn't my specialty. I was there to learn from my colleagues. Mm-hmm. And so it was a surprise to me, and actually it was kind of a surprise to the whole seminar, when after a few years of our research, we came to a consensus that, wait a minute, we started out thinking that, like everybody else in scholarship, that Acts was written in, in the 80s to 85 period in the first century. But we were led by scholars who were kind of on the front burner of the dating question to reassess that. And so we came to a second century date. That was not where we started. That was what we came to after we got together and began to consider arguments out there and began to reassess our presuppositions in a way that we hadn't done before. Now, once you Uh, establish Acts in the second century, part of the establishing that is to realize, and this is contrary to generations of scholarship, that Acts actually had access to and used the letters of Paul as a source. The reason why that is a a key issue that goes along with the date is because the letters of Paul didn't get circulated until about 100. And uh, we know that uh, because uh, Paul wrote letter uh, letters to the Corinthians, for example, and they just stayed there in Corinth, and it was known in a general way that Paul was a letter writer, but nobody was actually reading them widely, and we don't have any evidence that anybody was reading them widely uh, until about the uh, one uh, year 100 approximately.
0: So then, so the idea that that um, I'm sorry, so the idea then that Paul um, that. Paul's letters were used by Acts it has not been uh, understood in scholarship. That that's a that's a new development.
1: Yes, it's a new development that goes hand in hand with the dating of Acts. Now we were there were some scholars who had been developing arguments here and there about this particular section of Acts is actually using uh, a letter of Paul, but it became more comprehensive uh, whenever we took it up as a. As an issue in general, and that and that completely changed the the whole picture about uh, how Ax gets its data and what it does with it.
0: And so, um, when you say it's second century, what what uh, what is the year or so?
1: Uh, well, <laughs> it's a, it's about one fifteen, uh, which is a, it's a mm-hmm. way of saying okay, it's not as late as one thirty, but it's. Uh, it's got to be at least a decade into the second century.
0: So what does it mean then that Acts is written thirty years later than um, what scholarship originally uh, dated it?
1: the uh, The interesting uh, discussion that we had in the seminar is, uh, okay, so there's a consensus of scholars about the year eighty. Let's look back at where everybody makes their arguments on that consensus and see what the basis of that is. Well, we discovered nobody really makes substantial arguments on that point. That that, that date was always a compromise date. And one of the values of, of the year 80 as a compromise date was it allowed the people to, who were committed to the idea that the writer of Acts was a companion of Paul to have a date they could work with, and the authors and the scholars who were committed to the idea the writer of Acts wasn't a companion of Paul could still accept the year 80. So it was always a compromise date. Once we put it in the second century, then that whole concept of the author of Acts being companion of Paul uh, can no longer be proposed. So, it, And the second, the second most uh, important thing about that is that uh, all previous arguments about the historical reliability of Acts were primarily based on, look how well Acts, which did not use the letters of Paul, still tracks so well with Paul. The story that we get from the letters of Paul is found in Acts, so Acts must actually have historically reliable material because it did not use the letters of Paul, according to this hypothesis, yet is so consistent with the letters of Paul. Well, once you uh, place the letters of Paul into the... uh, collection of materials that the author had available, then the, the whole idea of the test case for the reliability of Axe's history fails. There, there's no longer a test case for uh, Axe as, as a historically reliable document. So it changes the whole burden of proof. The burden of proof for uh, generations in scholarship is because Axe was the only story we had of this period it therefore is assumed, without people stating this, but it's assumed in scholarship that it's historically reliable unless proven otherwise. When we date Acts in the second century and we have Acts using the letters of Paul, the burden of proof shifts to Acts is unreliable unless proven otherwise.
0: If you're just joining us on Religion for Life, my guest is Professor Dennis Smith of Phillips Theological Seminary in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and a fellow of the Jesus Seminar and the co-editor and moderator of the Acts Seminar. Just completed uh, their book, Acts and Christian Beginnings. Well, actually, the book came out, I believe, in 2013, but it is uh, a summary of an historical look at the book of Acts. And so with this idea of a second date, uh, looking at uh, not as an independent source of the historical Paul that that sheds a whole new light on who uh, who Acts views as Paul doesn't it he's more perhaps could we say more of a literary character than an historical figure
1: It's definitely a historical figure but the story that Acts tells is not historical uh, So Paul was definitely a historical figure who definitely had a mission in Corinth but the Acts version of the mission in Corinth is not correct Did Paul go to uh, Berea, a city that's not mentioned in the letters of Paul, but which plays a major role in the telling of the Acts story. Well, unless there's some other data that can be brought to the table, no. Uh, the The author has the author's filled in the itinerary of Paul uh, based upon the author's own purposes, but we don't have really good data, good reason anymore, to say that the author had access to extra itinerary data that's not found in the letters of Paul.
0: So um, what what was, in, in your view, do you think, the, the author's um, uh, point or the author's uh, goal in shaping the story of Acts?
1: Some of this is, is not new to scholars, but it's made much more solid uh, in the way in which uh, we've approached it. And that is, the author had a purpose for writing um, that included uh, the the apologetic the uh, agenda that there has to be a singular beginning of Christianity. so it all starts in Jerusalem and it proceeds uh, point uh, uh, city by city by city because God says go here and God says go here which establishes that the, uh, the that the place from which the author is writing is a situation in which uh, he is trying to defend his community over against a bunch of other definitions of Christianity that must have been out there and must have been competing with him. And he's defending his by writing a story that says, this is the only way it could go, because there's a singular story. There's one there's one beginning, and, and, and you can trace everything up to the time of the uh, end of Paul's life, as following a singular path, not uh, not a uh, not a diverse path. So once we put him in the second century, then we uh, we have to uh, take into account. Okay, what's going on in his world in the second century? And part of the dating of of Acts, by the way, has to do with uh, uh, if you if you look closely at the terminology and at some of the institutions in the community in the Christian community that are assumed in Acts then uh, then that places him much more close to the 2nd century than it does to the earlier period. So he was living in a period where he was defending a perspective. He was defending a uh, an understanding of what Christianity was all about. Prior to and this was a time when everything was up for grabs. What is Christianity about? Or Is there a singular way in which Christianity is to be understood? His argument is, yes, there is a singular way. And he's doing making that argument by telling this story.
0: And some of the devices that he used to tell the story, I think, are, are interesting. Uh, when we think about Paul's sea voyages or being uh, dramatically freed from prison, and those uh, were... Uh, author's literary motifs picked up from other literature is that right
1: yes yes. and uh, the and our and, and the author of acts it tells a very good story it's an adventure story mhm uh and uh and yes those were those uh, people were attracted to stories and uh and these were methods the, the method of a shipwreck for example which the author of acts tells in detail is a literary method used uh in in literature that goes all the way back to Homer, but it includes also uh, adventure what we call adventure novels of the of, of, of this time in the Roman world that were being written
0: and so there are a number of um acts kinds of stories, uh, various acts of the apostles or acts of Paul and Thecla. Would, would that literature be more similar to this now, now, as you're thinking of dating it in the second century and, and, and uh, that type of literature?
1: Yes, yeah, a that's been a, a debate in scholarship. It's what we call a genre question. So what type mm-hmm. of literature is this? Well, it's a type of literature that tells the adventures of the apostles, well, there are a whole bunch of other writings that tell adventures of the apostles, the Acts of Paul, the Acts of Peter, uh, the Acts of Paul and Thecla. Uh, so that's a, that's a popular form of literature that begins to appear at this period. Acts And the Acts of the Apostles, that's the canonical one that we're talking about, is one of the earliest such versions, but there are many others.
0: Now, if we place then Acts uh, around 115 or so, um, and we've uh, scholarship has also believed that the author of Acts is the same person who was the author of the Gospel of Luke, uh, what would right. that mean then for dating the Gospel of Luke, and, and uh, would it still keep it around 80, and he just wrote this, or, or she, or whoever, 30 years later, or does that move Luke later, and what does that mean?
1: That's a that that's the next item on on an agenda now uh, we only did acts because as as it as it happens in scholarship, even though it's quite clear that Luke and Acts were written to go together, and you can tell that whenever you look at the introduction to Luke, which is dedicated the Gospel of Luke, which is dedicated to Theophilus, and you look at the beginning of Acts and it's also dedicated to Theophilus and the ending of Luke and the beginning of Acts are interwoven they tell Acts retells the uh the ascension story that's also found at the end of the gospel of Luke so it's they those two go together mm-hmm. but scholars tend to either specialize in Acts or in Luke so we we did the Acts scholarship here and now the Luke scholars are going to have to catch up <laughs> and uh we didn't we didn't make that a part of our research agenda but it causes us to go back to the gospel of Luke and reassess how we date the gospel of Luke and all of these dates are based upon the the best data we can bring to the to the picture and uh so the gospel of Luke uh we know dates later than the gospel of Mark because it used the gospel of Mark uh One of the factors that we have to bring into the picture now with the Gospel of Luke is at what point can we state that the the writer of the Gospel of Luke might also have access to the letters of Paul? Uh, And I've I've made that argument in a a paper I delivered at uh, at the West Star Seminars back in October. Uh, based on, well, this is an issue that that any of the listeners can look up in their own Bible, and that is that the Last Supper story that's found in Luke actually has two versions. There's one version that we call the short version. That's just, he took a cup and he took the bread, cup first, then bread, and that's it. The long version, which they're now printing, it has he took a cup, he took bread and then took another cup. That long version when you where you have bread and cup, not counting the first cup but you have just the bread and cup, that long version of Luke actually is parallel to the Paul version of the Last Supper in first Corinthians. And so I argued that that's a case where at some point the Gospel of Luke was edited to uh, incorporate the Last Supper story as found in Paul. But we are still reassessing how, how, what we do with uh, with the Gospel of Luke, but at some point, they get pulled together as Luke acts.
0: Yeah, I was thinking of some of the parables uh, that were voted, I think, red or pink uh, by the Jesus Seminar were unique only to Luke, Samaritan and prodigal right. son, and, and I, I don't know if that makes a difference with having a later date, if uh, they are perhaps authentic to Jesus or not.
1: Yeah, and... Uh, and, and that that would be part of the uh, assessment, uh, still still to be developed. Yeah, but it, it's also the case that uh, the Gospel of Luke shares the agenda of the Book of Acts. So uh, there there's some there has been some debate about Luke for a number of generations in scholarship about were there additions of Luke? There was an early Luke, a proto Luke, and then a later Luke, and so on. And having additions like that is not is not an unusual proposal for writings that continue to be used in churches. Um, But taking the Gospel of Luke as it exists now, the agenda that everything of a singular beginning in Jerusalem is the agenda of Acts, of the Gospel of Luke as well. Uh, And this is an important an important component of, of uh, uh, helping us to understand how the author of Luke-Acts uses his sources. In the ending of the Gospel of Mark, the empty tomb story includes the angel saying, go to Galilee, get out of Jerusalem, go to Galilee. Mark was a source used by Luke, but he changed that story. And in Luke's Gospel, there's the empty tomb, and the angel says, Remember when he was in Galilee, he told you these things would happen. Now stay in Jerusalem. And that sets sets up the story that will follow in Acts, that everything starts from Jerusalem, and therefore everybody is on the same page. Uh, It starts from Jerusalem, and it proceeds from there. Whereas Mark, which was written earlier, had a different view about where it all began, and it all began by getting out of Jerusalem and starting in Galilee.
0: Well, that kind of leads, uh, we just have a a couple of minutes left, but I want to uh, ask this last question about Christian origins, and now if we look at Acts and say, well, this really tells us a lot about second century Christianity, but not so much about uh, the earliest uh, years uh, after Jesus. So, what now and the West Star has looked at the Jesus it's looked at Paul it's uh, with the authentic letters of Paul and now acts uh, what is the West Star Institute doing and in, and in, uh, in regards to Christian origins?
1: still still on the agenda of scholarship after the Acts and Christian beginnings is is a rethinking of what we thought we knew about Paul so if if Acts has to be taken off the table for telling us anything about Paul, that changes a lot of our favorite Things about Paul. Paul was from Tarsus. He was a Roman citizen. Uh, Paul's uh, conversion story in Acts. Those are Acts stories, but that's not that's. We don't find Paul taking those positions or identifying himself in that way. So we have to rethink the biography of Paul, and we also have to uh, we have to take more seriously. The diversity at the very beginning of early Christianity, that the idea of a singular beginning is a creation of the author of Luke, created for uh, 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 apologetic purposes, to to make a case for a singular understanding of what Christianity needed to be. But a great deal of diversity in Christianity kind of revitalizes how we can understand uh, our, our origins as a people and, and as a movement, and it also allows us. One of the things that, that uh, the Book of Acts does that we need to escape from is it presents a supersessionist understanding of Christianity. Christianity takes the place of Judaism, and those arguments are made in in in, in the book here. If we re-understand our history in which it's not the singular thing that Acts presents, it allows us, in re-understanding our origins, a a, a, a means for separation from such things as supersessionism or misogyny, because we'll begin to understand that these were historical choices that were made in the process of the development of Christianity. They were not embedded law that came by way of the command of God. And that can help us deal with some of the issues in, uh, that we have inherited from the story Acts tells that may not be the most useful way of understanding who we are and how we began.
0: Dennis Smith uh, has been my guest on Religion for Life. He's the co-editor with Joseph Tyson of Acts and Christian Beginnings, the Acts Seminar Report. Uh, Dennis, thank you so much for your work and for being with me today on Religion for Life.
1: Thank you. I appreciate uh, having this opportunity.
0: You've been listening to Religion for Life, a program at the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. My name is John Shuck, minister at First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. Our website is fpcelizabethton.org. More information about Religion for Life, including links to podcasts, can be found at religionforlife.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and hear us on iTunes. Religion for Life is co-produced by WETS-FM in Johnson City, Tennessee, and WEHC-FM, Emory, Virginia. Be well.